Thanks for reading for us, uh, Jocelyn. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Peter Orr. I'm a, a member of the uh, 10 a.m. congregation. Uh, well, with this passage, as we've been saying, we've come to the end of our series on uh, Abraham. And with this passage, we've just read of Abraham's death. Uh, this passage gives us a picture of a godly man dying in the Lord. And so it teaches us what it means to die well. Uh, all of us, if the Lord Jesus doesn't return uh, first, uh, will die one day. Uh, one of the times uh, that I thought I was going to die was in a small plane flying through a lightning storm. Uh, we were on a, a family holiday when I was uh, um, a teenager uh, going to America, and we were flying over the Grand Canyon. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't enjoy the view because there was so much turbulence, and I was utterly terrified that we were going to get hit by lightning. Uh, my sister next to me was got throwing up into one of those airsick bags, and I was looking out the window, and uh, it seemed that every few seconds, uh, lightning was just missing the plane. Uh, there would be a flash, and I would think, my goodness, that was so close. Then there'd be another flash. Oh, that was so close again. Another flash. Surely one of those is going to hit us. Another flash. After about five minutes, I was an absolute nervous wreck. Uh, it was then that I realized that those weren't actually lightning strikes. There was a light at the end of the wing that was blinking uh, periodically. Uh, the lightning was way off in the distance, and yeah, it was a bit bumpy, but it was perfectly safe. Uh, the rest of the flight, I felt uh, a little bit stupid and unbelievably relieved. And uh, obviously, we made it through uh, the flight. Uh, I guess it's hard to know how we'll face death until we have to. Uh, maybe you've had to face death in a much more uh, kind of traumatic way uh, than I did in my confusion as we flew over the Grand Canyon. Uh, the passage today gives us a, a, a model of how to face death. Uh, Abraham faces death the way that he lived, trusting in the promises of God. And as Christian people, that is what the Lord is calling us to do today, uh, to live lives that are so defined by the promises of God that when the end comes, we will die the way that we have lived, trusting in those same promises. So it's a wonderfully practical and helpful chapter for us as we see how our father in the faith dies. Uh, it's not pleasant to think about death, but throughout the Bible, uh, we are encouraged to number our days, uh, to be ready to be called home at any time. And as we followed uh, Abraham's life in Genesis, we've seen that it's, a, uh, it's been a life marked by faith, uh, not uh, perfect faith by any stretch. Uh, Abraham has stumbled more than once, but it's a life marked more than anything else by faith in God and his promises. And that's true of the events uh, that lead up to Abraham's death. Uh, our passage uh, that Jocelyn just read for us has uh, two genealogies and then an account of Abraham's death sandwiched in the middle. And the first genealogy is of the descendants of Abraham uh, uh, from his second marriage. Uh, following Sarah's death, uh, he marries Keturah and has six sons. And they have families of their own. And uh, you can see that from these descendants, uh, nations come. 
So Midian in verse 2, if you read on in the Old Testament, Midian is a significant nation. Uh, but also verse 3, uh, we have that the Asherites, uh, the Latushites, the uh, uh, Leumites. Uh, the writer is showing us that nations have come from Abraham. Lots of descendants have come from uh, Abraham. Uh, we remember the promise back in chapter 17. Uh, you will be the father of many nations. Uh, we're being shown that God has kept his promises. Uh, you get the same idea at the end of the passage when the writer gives us Ishmael's genealogy. Uh, the, the account of his death is topped and tailed with these uh, genealogies, not simply just because of kind of historical interest, but to show us that the God that Abraham trusted in has kept his promises. God has blessed him and blessed him in the way that he has promised him. Now, we, we know that uh, Abraham hasn't fully, you know, hasn't come to fully enjoy all the, 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 the fruits of those blessings, but we see that God has blessed him the way that he told him. So he doesn't quite have as many descendants as stars in the sky yet or grains on the, the seashore, but he is uh, on the way. But we also remember that as well as these kind of general promises that nations will come from you and so many descendants, there was a specific focus uh, to God's promises to Abraham. And the promise is that the blessing for the world would come through Isaac. And you can see that even in his death, Abraham understands, believes, and acts on that promise. Verse 5, Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. But while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Now, it's important, and I know my sons would be keen for me to understand this, that this is not a model for how we're to treat our children. This is not scripture laying down a principle that one child is meant to be privileged over all the others. In fact, that would be appalling behavior in any other circumstance. But this is not a normal circumstance, and this is not a normal family. No, Abraham and Isaac carry the line that will continue through to Jesus. Uh, the salvation of the world depends on the line continuing undisturbed through Isaac. And so Abraham's not being vindictive to Ishmael or to his other sons. Uh, he still gives them gifts, makes sure that they're provided for. But ultimately, he is acting in faith. He believes what God had said, that it will be through Isaac that the promise will come, that the, the blessing for the world will come. And so as his death nears, he acts in line with that promise by securing Isaac's future uh, above all of his sons. You know, he doesn't sort of say, well, look, I'm going to die anyway. What does it matter? I'll just, uh, uh, you know, I'll just do what I want. No, he acts, even as his death nears, he acts in line with God's promises. Abraham dies as he lives, trusting in God's promises. In the middle of our passage between the two genealogies, um, the, the writer zeroes in, on the actual death of Abraham. Uh, look at it again, verse 8. Uh, then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, 
an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael uh, buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar, uh, the, the Hittite, uh, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahai Roy. Uh, no death is pleasant, but Abraham's death here is described in terms that emphasize that his death was the end of a life marked by God's blessing. Just uh, look at some of the detail, verse 8. Uh, Abraham breathed his last. Abraham breathed his last. Just a, a, it's a, such a simple description of how he died, but actually it's a very powerful statement because the Bible is clear that every breath we have is a gift from God. Uh, in uh, the book of Acts, uh, when uh, Paul is preaching in Athens, chapter 17, he's preaching before a very sophisticated uh, audience, and this is what he says, Acts 17, verse 25, God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Abraham breathed his last because God decided that it would be his last. It's the testimony throughout the Bible that God is the one who gives us every breath that we take. At Job chapter 12 and verse 10, in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all humanity. Psalm 104 and verse 29, when you, O Lord, hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. The Bible is very clear that every breath is a gift from God. Every moment of our life is a gift from God. And there will come a moment when each of us, like Abraham, will breathe our last. And it's worth pausing and considering if we're ready. Uh, there will come a time, we don't know when, uh, when uh, you will have ten breaths left, then five, then four, then three, then two. Then, like Abraham, you will breathe your last. And then, in the words of, of Hebrews, just as people are destined to die once, and then to face judgment. There will come a time when it will be too late to do anything. We will stand before God in judgment. However, again, if we, we track through the rest of the Bible, we see that those who trust in God's promises, those who trust in His Son, the Lord Jesus, have nothing to be afraid of, of that moment of judgment. Uh, this is what Jesus said uh, in John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed from death 
to life. If you believe in Jesus, you've already spiritually crossed from death to life. And so there is nothing to fear from judgment. However, it, it is in this life that we need to do that. It's in this life that we need to be ready for our lives to end and to put our trust in Jesus because there won't be any second chances. A passage like this confronts us and reminds us that we will all stand before God in judgment and we all need to be ready for that day. And it's easy just in the, in the busyness of life to, to, to put that out of our minds. And that's why reading passages like this is so, so helpful for us. It's so uh, confronting and reminds us that like Abraham, there will come a day when we breathe our last. Are you ready? Are you ready for that day? Verse 8, again, Abraham died <clears throat> at a good old age. Uh, Abraham died as uh, an, an old man. O others we know tragically die uh, terribly young. But really, any death is, is tragic. Uh, it, it's a reminder that this is a fallen world, that things are not the way that they are supposed to be. I'm always struck when I read uh, in John's Gospel, uh, John chapter 11, when Jesus is about to, to raise his friend Lazarus. He's standing at, at Lazarus's tomb. He's about to utter the words that will cause Lazarus to be uh, raised from the dead moments away from being reunited with uh, his friend. And what does he do? Well, he weeps. Jesus wept. Why, why does he weep? Because it's, it's a recognition that, that death in this fallen world, it's just not the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, e even though he's about to see Lazarus, he knows that, that death is so tragic and so terrible. But the teaching of Scripture is that, that our days, our lives are in God's hand. We are immortal. We are immortal until he decrees that we are not. Uh, the poet uh, John Ryland uh, wrote um, uh, a poem, part of which I think expresses this uh, very well and which I think is very uh, contemporary. Uh, Plagues and deaths around me fly. Till he bid, I cannot die. Not a single shaft can hit till the God of love see fit. Not that we should be uh, reckless, but that we should remember that God is the one who determines our days. We are immortal until he decrees that we die. Uh, thirdly, verse 8 tells us that when Abraham died, he was full of years. Uh, that's what uh, most of the translations uh, say, but if you uh, had a look at a commentary, you'd see that, that the Hebrew just says full. He died full. And it could be, uh, as our translations say, it could be that he died full of years, but it could be that he died full in the sense of being, of, of, he died satisfied, complete. Uh, he died knowing that he had lived a full life. And I think that fits with the emphasis uh, that we have seen in Genesis that he lived a life marked by God's blessing. Uh, yes, he lived as a pilgrim. He lived for a hundred years uh, as a pilgrim without a, a permanent home, but he lived a rich and full life marked by God's blessing. 
And, and that is the promise for every believer. Uh, Jesus promised it in John 10, verse 10. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not, not an easy life, not a, a life free from suffering, uh, not a wealthy or healthy life, but a full life, a, a life marked by God's blessing. Think of the blessings that we have as Christians, the, the privilege of prayer, of fellowship with other believers, of knowing God, of having God's Word, of growing, of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, of forgiveness. All these blessings mean that like Abraham, we can have a full life, a life with Christian family, a, a life marked by God's blessing with eternal life to come. Now, the promises that Jesus gives us as Christians are very much the pattern that we see in Abraham's life. Uh, the fourth thing that uh, Moses tells us here about Abraham is that uh, when Abraham dies, verse 8, he was gathered to his people. It's an interesting expression. It's used of Ishmael in verse 17. It's later used of Isaac and Jacob and Aaron. And it's a reminder that for the believer, death is not the end. For the believer, death is not the end. God is a God of the living. And so when the believer dies, he or she goes to be with God himself and with God's people. Uh, Paul expresses the idea in his letters when he reflects on the death of the believer, and he describes it as uh, being at home with the Lord. Being at home with the Lord. While we're uh, living in this life, there's a sense in which we are away from the Lord. When we die, we go to be at home uh, with the Lord. And as believers, that means that we can be confident because we know that death is not the end. When we die, we go to be with God's people, with God himself, and with uh, the Lord Jesus. Uh, the final thing that Moses tells us is uh, verse 9, that uh, Abraham was buried in the cave of Machpelah. Um, interesting historical detail, we might think, but again, uh, we're being pointed to the fact that Abraham was buried in the promised land. This was a little bit of the, uh, the, the land of Canaan, the promised land that, that Abraham actually possessed. And again, it's a symbol of his trust in God. He believed that one day this land would belong to his descendants. He believed the promises of God, even though there was kind of no indication that this was even beginning to be fulfilled. And even though it would be hundreds of years before God's people would uh, possess uh, this land. But Abraham died trusting in those promises. He died looking forward. And so he asked to be buried in uh, this part of the promised land. He died as he lived, trusting in God's promises. He didn't just say, well, you know, look, I'm about to die. What does it matter? I don't care. No, he continued uh, to trust in God's promises. Uh, the description of Abraham's death in chapter 25 has a very calm and peaceful tone about it. And uh, that's because, as we've been saying, that he dies the way that he lives, trusting in 
God's promises. That's the only way to live as a Christian, trusting in God's promises, and it's the only way to die as a Christian, trusting in God's promises. But Abraham is not just simply uh, the model believer. He's also, I think, in this passage, a model of the Lord Jesus. In other words, we, we don't simply look at the way that he dies and thinks, uh, think, you know, I, I want to die the way that Abraham uh, died, and so I need to do what Abraham did. I need to live my life the way that Abraham did. That, that's true. That's true. But more than that, Abraham points us to the Lord Jesus. And there's a, a hint of that, and it's really only a hint, but I think it's there in verse 9. Uh, Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, uh, buried him in the cave. And uh, what do we read of uh, Ishmael uh, later on, uh, end of verse 18? You know, his hand was against all his kin kinsmen. Okay, so Ishmael, as he continues, becomes this person who's set against uh, everyone else, including his own family. But at the moment of Abraham's death, he and Isaac are united in burying uh, their father. Abraham's death, in other words, brings reconciliation between these two brothers who otherwise would be at enmity. He brings uh, reconciliation between these two uh, sons who, in a sense, stand for the kind of two strands of humanity, Jew and Gentile. Now, it's just a hint, and I wouldn't want to push it too hard, but I think it is a reminder here that already back in, in Genesis, the Bible is anticipating Jesus, uh, the Savior, to come. Uh, certainly, that's the idea with the, the blessing uh, uh, on Isaac. Again, we're being pushed forward uh, beyond Abraham to Abraham's offspring. But even here, Abraham himself in his death, I think, points us to uh, the work of the Lord Jesus in bringing Jew and Gentile, uh, bringing all humanity together, reconciled as they're reconciled to God through Jesus' death. Uh, this is what Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 8, about Abraham. Uh, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Isn't that an amazing expression? Paul, Paul looks at Genesis and says, what God was doing was preaching the gospel to Abraham, saying, in you all nations will be blessed. Paul, Paul says that's Genesis' form of the gospel. In you all the nations will be blessed. And then he says, so those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That the gospel that God preached to Abraham was, I'm going to bless the world in the way that I've blessed you through faith, through trusting in my promises. Abraham is the man of faith, and he points us forward to his offspring, uh, his son, the son of Isaac, the son of Isaac's son, all the way down to Jesus, the one who dies for Jew and for Gentile, for the whole world, so that we can be right, not just with each other, but with him as well. Well, it's confronting. It's always confronting uh, to consider death, perhaps especially so in uh, the midst of a pandemic. But it's also comforting 
to look at this passage and to be reminded that as believers in God's promises, we can die like Abraham when our time comes, trusting in the promises of God. But more than that, uh, because we have better promises than Abraham had, we who believe in the Lord Jesus, we know that death, the last enemy, has been defeated. Yes, we, we have to go through physical death, but we've seen already that Jesus has promised that if we trust in him, then spiritually we have passed from death to life. And so death, yes, it's, it's unpleasant. Yes, death even moves the Lord Jesus to tears. It's not, it's not a sort of simple, trivial thing, but ultimately it's a defeated enemy. It's a defeated enemy. So as believers in Jesus, we can have tremendous, wonderful confidence that we have passed from death to life and we can look forward to the resurrection of our bodies. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be raised and will have a body like his. It's, it's absolutely natural to be anxious, to be nervous when we think about death. Um, the Bible, this passage, the whole Bible encourages us to reflect on the promises of God, uh, to remember that like Abraham, our days are in God's hands, uh, to encourage one another uh, with these truths, and to remember that when Abraham died, he, he, he didn't cease to exist. He was gathered to his people, and that's true of us. When we die, we will be gathered to our people, those who have died in Christ before us. And most wonderfully of all, we will be gathered to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so forever, we will be at home with the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray uh, that you would continue to comfort and encourage our hearts as uh, we think about death, uh, we know it is a confronting thing to think about, uh, particularly the way that the world is at the moment. But we thank you for the comfort of your word. And we pray that we would remember uh, that our days are in uh, your hands, uh, that every breath is a gift from you, and that when we die, we will be gathered uh, to our people, to those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus. And most wonderfully of all, we will be gathered to him, our Lord and Savior. And we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.